This week, we interview Anne Marie Reed, local parent educator, about talking to your kids about sex. And on Whatcom Dads Recommend, we offer some creative ideas for keeping your kids active and moving. I'm Nathan Dwyer, and alongside Mark Bagley and Chris Roselli, we are the Whatcom Dads Podcast. All right, guys, it's been a week. Last week, we talked a little bit about the Olympics, which are still going on. USA! USA! I still haven't watched any. Shocking. <laughs> How un-American We loved you. volleyball, man. That Gosh, our girls love volleyball anyway, but man, watching the beach volleyball, watching men's volleyball is ridiculous. Insane! They hit the ball so hard. And how high they jump. I mean, they... Have you tried playing beach, beach volleyball, Mark? Like no, on vacation like or whatever? quicksand, isn't it? Right, yeah. And I'm I'm short, so I can barely get over the net, like like fingertips over the net when I jump. Right. These guys are leaping so high, yeah. they're spiking it straight down. Well, they're also probably 6'7". May probably actually, yeah. Which helps. No, that makes still me feel amazing athletes. That makes me feel better, actually. They're yeah, in, yeah. It's incredible. I don't they know how many... 10 feet tall. To play the beach volleyball, it's just two per side. Yeah. Incredibly yeah. athletic. The other thing that was really, you know, I keep forgetting that there's no fans allowed. Right. And so Making watching the beach volleyball, different. which is usually really raucous crowd and excitement and the music, and all, it was weird to just watch it with nobody in the in the seats at all. It's been weird to watch a lot of the things with no fans and how unfortunate it is, but at least the athletes are getting their, their events in. And But it's really sad when they show the parents at home watching. Oh, yeah. You know, the parents have sacrificed yeah. for what, 10, 15 yeah. years, probably every weekend, driving kids all over the place for your kid to have a shot at the Olympics, and then they make the team, and you can't even go? Yeah, it's pretty yeah. bad. Oh, heartbreaking. Yeah. yeah, boy, oh boy. Well, I don't think any of us have to worry about our kids making the Olympics. No offense. <laughs> what? But it got me thinking, if you had to pick a sport that your child might have the best chance to make the Olympics in, and Mark, you can think back to when your kids were a little bit younger. What would be the sport your child would have the best chance to make an Olympic team in? I'll go first. For my seven-year-old, she has been hooked on the triathlon. Nice. In fact, today she made up her own triathlon around the house. And nice. <laughs> the swimming event was replaced by... The best slip and slide. Ooh, nice. Good. There was a transition area for her and her brother to put on their bike helmets and their shoes. And they rode the bike eight times around the driveway. Good. (laughs) And then they went to a separate transition area, took off their bike helmets, changed shoes, and ran around the backyard a few times. So she did a triathlon this morning. So for her, I think triathlon might be the event she might have the best chance at reaching Olympic status at. That's a good one. That That is is a good good one. one. So I asked my son, who I happened to see recently, what would be his Olympic sport? And he told me it would have been ping pong. And I think I misheard it because I think it would have... Table table tennis. tennis. I think it would have been beer pong. (laughs) Oh, that's a different event. That should be a new Olympic event. He would be fantastic in Olympic beer pong. Have you played in beer pong? Have I played him? Yeah. Uh, we have played beer pong, yes. He's good. He's, he wasn't especially good that night, but I could see glimpses of him being really good. Ah, it's a natural ability he's got. 
All right, Chris, you've had some time to think about it. Pick pick one of your girls and pick their sport. They they both love volleyball. So if I was to ask them, they would say absolutely volleyball. But they're not tall enough to do the beach volleyball. So help me know: is there a team volleyball in? in? There's still team volleyball. Yeah. So they would be they would both be like liberos or something in, in volleyball. They'd be all they'd be all over that if they could. I think my three year old beach volleyball might be her thing. She's fairly tall for her age, yeah. and she's. I don't know. For a three-year-old, she doesn't fall over much, so I think she has a sense of balance. Mm-hmm. She did decent in the. She did decent in decent the sand. Balance. Decent balance. She can run in the sand. She doesn't fall over much. That's how we're now judging the athletic ability of our children. Yeah. They don't just fall over. So uh, she's got a shot. Yeah, I like that. At three, it's hard to predict. Uh huh. That's good so, though. That's yep. what I'm going yep. with. How about yep. your daughter? I, you know, she loved to snowboard when she was, you know, kind of the whole teenager thing. And I could see maybe that could be something doing, she would Doing the skateboarding? This is Summer Olympics we're talking. Are we doing summer only? Uh, I didn't specify, so... Thank you. Oh, okay. <laughs> Use your discretion. All right, so we got volleyballers, beach volleyballers, triathletes, snowboarders. That leaves my son. Yep. Who, if going to the ER is not an Olympic sport, right? I think he's going to be a gymnast, and I think he actually might be a pretty decent gymnast. Wow! He's small and he loves to tumble. I have this video on my phone of him when he was about two years old doing um, forward flips without using his hands on the carpet floor. Oh which yeah, looks terrifying. Uh, yeah, and, uh, I remember seeing him do that when we were over one time. Yeah, so he loves to run, jump, tumble, swing. He's a beast on the monkey bars, so uh, maybe he's a gymnast. We'll right. see. Your life can change in an instant. Car accidents impact all aspects of your life and lead to pain and suffering, medical bills, and time missed from work. Robinson & Cole, attorneys in Bellingham, can help. They have represented thousands of clients since 1979. They also handle other types of injury claims, including workers' compensation. Consultations are always free and are available in Spanish. Robinson and Cole, when you need us, we will be here. Hey, Chris, how many people have been on our show more than once? I can think of only one person. So what if we brought that person back for a third time? I think it's important, and you know why? It means that she is really, really good. Really good. So we are so lucky to be joined again this week by Anne-Marie Reed. You can go back to episode 9 or 19 and hear her thoughts on some other parenting topics. But tonight, Chris, we're going to tackle a big one. We're going to talk about sex. Hey, Chris, but we're missing somebody tonight. Our good friend Mark is uh, traveling, so he's unable to join us. I actually don't think he's traveling. I just think that he is so uncomfortable about the topic of S-E-X that he was just like, no, nah, no, nah, I'm, I'm on the road. Sorry, I can't be there for that interview. Well, we'll, we'll follow back with him later. But uh, any listeners out there, if you have little ones in the car and you haven't talked about some of these things, now we'll give you about five seconds to go ahead and hit that <laughs> pause button. And then you can listen on your own time and, and take up the conversation. Two, one. All right. You've had enough warning. So, Anne-Marie, so good to see you again. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. This is fun. 
So just for our listeners who might not have caught other episodes, in 30 seconds or so, Anne-Marie, tell us about your background as a parent educator and and what you currently do to help uh, teach some of the parents in the community. Okay. So um, my professional background, I am a pediatric emergency department nurse. And um, so I've worked in emergency departments in Seattle Children's and up here in Bellingham. And um, I've been teaching parenting classes, oh my goodness, a very, very long time. Um, and I love working with families and children. Um, so that's what, that's my passion. We'll start off with a real simple one, I think is, well, seemingly simple one is when is the right age or, or, or rather how often should you talk with your kids about SEX that is age appropriate? Yeah. So. I, I kind of approach this from a developmental standpoint. So um, it's, you know, human beings are sexual beings and we're sexual beings from the get-go. And so when you've got an infant and you're bathing your infant, you know, you talk about body parts, you talk, this is your eye, this is your nose, this is your mouth, and you're going to label all body parts, including the genitalia. And um, you just treat it all the same, just like an even playing field. Nothing has more emphasis than another body part. And that's hard for the adults. It's not hard for kids, okay? (laughs) But it's hard for adults. So um, I think if we just, you know, try to approach it very matter-of-factly, that's the key. And you start with infants, just labeling body parts, and you continue that with toddlers. And then preschoolers, so about age three, this typically is when a child may be away from you more regularly, like maybe going to preschool, right, or going on play dates. And so they need a little bit more information. And that includes private parts. So we're not actually talking about the sexual act at all, but we're talking about um, those uh, private parts, those, you know, sexual parts, if you want to talk about it that way. Um, And Again, we just stay real matter of fact, you know, these are your private parts. This is just for mommy and daddy to help you keep clean and for nobody else. Right. Mm -hmm. And um, and an an easy way to describe what private parts are to a child is just it's the part the bathing suit covers. That's a pretty easy way to describe it. And when you're getting a little more specific, I definitely would use correct terminology. I think that's super important. Um, Your children can handle it. There's no question. If they can say stegosaurus, they can say vulva. Okay. (laughs) They can. So, (laughs) so it's really important. I think that we use correct terminology. um, So they, so they're clear and they can handle it. And I'm thinking worst case scenario, and Nathan, you as an attorney would know this, right? That if a child were to be molested, if they can use the correct anatomical terms, that carries weight. It's going to go a lot farther than if they say he touched my wee-wee. That's, that's not going to go very far. So it sounds very important to use proper descriptors for the private parts. And so as we, as they age up, you know, when's a good time to actually explain to them how babies are made and then maybe moving forward, what are some other, and again, age appropriate, but just sort of generally speaking, when when, might we start to talk to kids about those things? Sure. So a lot of times preschoolers 
will have questions about, you know, um, like if say they have a, uh, either their parent or another parent is pregnant and they're having questions, how did the baby get in there? Right. And so I think it's really important thinking about the child's age and what they're really asking. And um, so I always start low. I start really simple and try to be an approachable parent and make, say, if you have more questions, just ask and I'll, you know, and then I'll answer them to the best of my ability. So if a young kid, like say three or four is asking, well, how did the baby get in there? Um, I'm going to, first I might say, well, how do you think the baby got in there? <laughs> I think that's actually really important to kind of yeah. turn it around on them because um, they will, they can have some very confused ideas, right? Uh, and maybe what they're asking you isn't what you think they're asking. So I used to have this little cartoon of a little boy um, asking his mom, um, you know, where did I come from? And she gets all flustered, you know, and, and she starts launching into the whole birds and the bees act and he's listening and he's listening. And he says, Oh, Oh, I thought I came from Chicago. <laughs> Isn't that great? So got to understand the question. <laughs> exactly. So that's why I say, ask them what they think. So you're really sure what they are asking. Yeah. And then if they really are asking, you know, okay, how did the baby get in there? Um, then then the, what I started off with our boys when they were preschoolers was I said, when a mommy and a daddy really love each other a lot, the daddy's seed joins with the mommy's egg and together it makes a baby in the mommy's uterus. Oh, okay. That was enough. Yeah. They never actually asked me how, how the, the seed, seed and the egg there. got together. <laughs> they never did. So that's great. Now, if they had, I would have given them more information. As far as really describing the um, intercourse, um, again, I think you go, you follow your kid's lead. And so maybe there are going to be some, maybe a six-year-old who has a friend with, who has an older sibling. And, you know, this friend has learned stuff a little bit earlier than maybe some of the other peers. And now your six-year-old is really wondering about this and wants some real information. Well, I'm going to give it to them just simply, right? Um, if there have not been questions, then by eight, you need to tell them. So an eight-year-old needs to know what intercourse is because that may seem early, but I really don't think it is. And if you talk to, you know, folks who work in this field all the time, like um, whether it be Planned Parenthood or, you know, whatever, um, they're saying eight, you know, the kids need to know. Um, and because they're going to be hearing things on the playground, they're going to be hearing things from their friends and it probably won't be accurate. And yeah. I want my children to be well-informed and I want them to have my values around sex. And we know that the statistics show this, this is very, very clear that kids who are well-educated about sex are the ones who actually put off having sex until they're a little older. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. you know, you're actually, you know, maybe you're delaying them getting involved in a sexual relationship by being really upfront and honest with them. It wasn't until I had a conversation at a sleepover with my friend, Terry, and I was in eighth grade, you know, and he, and I just asked him, I was like, what do you think? And he said, are you serious? 
you really like really and well i don't believe the historic story but like i just and as a result i feel like nothing against my parents that my parents actually did do me a disservice yeah. because i wanted to know the real answer right but they were uncomfortable to give right. me the real answer and therefore i didn't get the real information until i got it from a friend of mine instead right, right. and that's why i think it's so important that we if the child has not already asked that we initiate the conversation by eight, because it is important that they hear this from us, but where we give them our family values around it and give them accurate information to protect them. Right. I mean, that's a big part of it. It's our responsibility. Mm -hmm. Um, And as you know, here I'm a nurse, right. I have worked with lots of bodies guys. Okay. (laughs) And it's just, you know, they all look pretty much the same, right? But here talking to your own kid, I was embarrassed by that. It was hard. And so um, really, truly what helped me the, the most was getting a book, get a book, read it together, you know, or at least start it together. And then it's easy. After that, it wasn't a problem. You know, it's kind of that door opener, the book. And then it, the conversation flows pretty easily. At least that was certainly was my experience. And I've heard that from other parents as well, but I needed that book. That book definitely helped. And it yeah. sounds like it's not just the talk. It's oh, no. the series of talks, the co- ongoing conversations that are going to last oh, for, for a long time, long, long time. Like even after they leave home. And I think I'm hearing you that Parents should not say, oh, they're just going to learn it in school. Let's wait till that happens. No, 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 no. No, I, again, I feel like it's my responsibility to make sure my kid is getting accurate information and getting my values around it. And the school can't do that. And it's not their job. So, you know, at fifth grade, I think, and um, is when they would have their little puberty talk and they would separate the boys and the girls and the male teacher would take the boys and the female teacher would take the girls. And, and you know, I mean, that's fine. But I wanted my kids to know all of that. This was going to be reviewed at school, right? They needed to know all of that before they ever um, got to that point. And we say the same thing to our girls all the time is, you know what? You're going to hear about it at school. You're going to hear about it from your friends. You're going to hear about it on the bus. And please feel free to come to us anytime. We will absolutely give you the straight answer so you know so you, so awesome. you know what the what the truth is. So back to me growing up Catholic, um, you know, I I so if you belong to a faith tradition that mm-hmm. be, that has strong beliefs on the subject, do you have any thoughts on how to handle the topic? You know, how do you and and how do you balance talking about the talk of sex, but with also a discussion about celibacy or things like that, that actually also relate to the values of whatever faith that an individual may have? Right. So again, remember that statistics show that kids who actually are well-informed are the ones who actually put off having a sexual relationship up until college, right? Where kids who are not as well-informed are more likely to get involved maybe as young as middle school. Um, You would be surprised how many middle schoolers think oral sex is not sex and that you can't get an STI with oral sex. Well, you can't. So it's, um, so it's re- it really is important, you know, that we're talking about this early on. And if you do believe that, you know, um, 
you should be a virgin before you get married, right? Um, you share, that's part of your responsibility to share your family values and why. But we do know that most kids, you know, even with the rebellious teenage years, most kids come back to those family values, nine out of 10 do. So it's really important to share them. That is your responsibility. And if you don't want your teenager to be a teenage parent, then you better, you know, teach them about contraception. And um, so I think, you know, if we, if by eight, we're talking about intercourse before middle school. So this is going to be fourth or fifth grade. So 10 or 11, your child needs to know everything. And I do mean everything. So I'm talking about abortion and contraception. And if you haven't already talked about transgender and homosexuality and really everything under the sun you can think about. And within all of this, and I would be talking about this earlier actually than age 10, be talking about consent and integrity, your personal integrity. And so that's my family values coming through, right? Can you expand a bit on consent? That's certainly been a very mm-hmm. um, important topic. Any any tips or you know thoughts on how to integrate that when they're children, so that when they yeah. become sexually active, they really understand the concept. We can start with our little toddlers, right? Our two and our three year olds, and you know how you love to they love you to play play the tickle game, for example, right? And you're tickling them, and they're laughing, 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 and they say stop, 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 and you know they don't really mean it. But if they say stop, you stop. And then, so that is kind of going along with this idea of consent, right? And you can use that word with them. So I'm not going to tickle you unless you say it's okay for me to tickle you. If you say no, I stop because you did not give me consent. So we start with consent early with kids, right? And then certainly as we are approaching, you know, more specifics with the sexual act, we really need to talk about consent. And I would do it even with kissing, you know, that, you know, you need to ask permission before you kiss somebody. Yeah. So uh, speaking of kisses and first kisses and all of those uh, fun things, I have a 15 year old and a 12 year old. So dating is on the horizon. Yep. Uh, so how do you approach your child about sex when they start dating? I, I feel like that all of a sudden becomes even more real. It's not this hypothetical, right? Well, you know, it's when people love one another, et cetera. So how do you, how do you talk about it with them when they start dating? And then also how do you talk to your kids about sex if you think they're actually having it? Yeah. Yeah. Good. So So if they start dating, you know, you can, again, this is an ongoing conversation, right? This is not just once in a while. It really is. I mean, you want it to feel genuine, but um, you grab those moments when they happen, those teachable moments. And so, you know, going on a date, you know, beforehand, you would talk about, I, I know you'll have a really good time and I know you'll use really good judgment and, um, you know, remember your own personal integrity. And what if, play the what if game, right? Mm-hmm. What if you would do this when your kids are younger, do it when they're as old too. <laughs> what if, you know, the person that you're going out with you know, starts getting really amorous and really wants to hug and kiss you, but you're not quite ready for that. 
So you play, you kind of role play. I mean, it doesn't have to be exactly role play, but you certainly talk about it ahead of time. So this kid goes into it somewhat armed, you know, so has an idea of how they might want to respond if things aren't feeling good. And I think with, you know, kids who are just starting to date, a really lovely way to do this is in groups. (laughs) You know, there's so much pressure if it's just a couple you know, have several couples go out together, right? Make it a big fun party thing. And that, that really, I think helps take the the pressure off of sex. So that's good to know. Thank you. Yeah. And then then as Chris alluded to, what if you think that they're, they're having, they're practicing? Well, so if you think they are, you know, um, and I guess some of this, um, in my, I think some of it would depend on how old they are. So, you know, if they're in college, you know, and they're on their own a little bit more, um, you know, I might just say something. I know you're using good judgment. You know, I know you know how to practice safe sex. Um, you know, have you utilized the um, health um, hall health at the school, you know, to um, get either information or contraceptive devices, um, you know, that kind of a thing. I would just approach it not um, not judgmentally. I think that's going to be super important, right? But from a concerned standpoint, I love you so much, right? And I know that you are a smart girl and can make smart decisions. And I'm just feeling really concerned that you might be putting yourself at risk. And this is why. So you're just sharing your concerns. Sure, sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's I, great. Well, Anne Marie, we could keep you all night. But <laughs> let's let's close with the following two questions. First, okay. do you have any particular resources, books, websites, things that you have found to be particularly helpful to the students in your classes over the years? Yeah, I fall back on on two two books that I really like. Um, one is called From Diapers to Dating. And it's by Deborah W. Hoffner, Hafner, Hafner. And um, it's for parents. And it really talks about how we are sexual beings as from infants and dealing with that and being an approachable parent all the way through adolescence and beyond, right? So I think that is a a helpful book. Um, As far as books to use with your kids, I do have my favorites. And these are by Roby Harris, R-O-B-I-E. And the first one is called It's Not the Stork. And it's for four and up. Um, and then the second one in the series is called It's So Amazing. And that's for seven to 10 year olds. And then the last one is called It's Perfectly Normal. And it's for 10 and up. And they're so they are, are um, they're all cartoons. They've got this little bird in the bee that are injecting humor and little side panels, you know, throughout the book. Um, they're factually based. I think they do a really nice job and it's a great place to start as a parent with your kids. The it's perfectly normal. I really appreciate it because it's getting into those hard topics beyond just intercourse, but really talking about consent and abortion and um, contraception and homosexuality and on and on. Right. So those, you know, this is something you can, I gave our boys a choice 
you know, at that age, you know, would you like to read this yourself? And then we can talk about whatever you want to talk about, or we could read this together. And actually only one of the boys decided to read it on their own. Otherwise we read it together. So, and that's great. A little bit at a time. It's not like we read the whole book all at once, you know, just a little bit at a time. So, yeah. And then keeping that conversation going. If you could choose three takeaways that you hope parents can remember from today's podcast. Uh, What would you want those to be? That you should be the one to tell them what intercourse is. So you got to do it early enough. Um, That you want to make sure this is an ongoing conversation, not a one-time thing. Um, And that you are approachable as a parent, that your kids feel safe coming to you to talk about this. And the way that's going to happen is you not going, Oh my gosh, you know, you can't do that. <laughs> can't freak not, out. You can't freak out. You really can't. Well, that is great. Anne Marie, uh, we will put links to some of those resources in the show notes. Thank you as always for, for joining us, sharing your wisdom, really great stuff on a maybe difficult topic. And so uh, we look forward to the next conversation, whatever, whatever it is that we come up with. Thanks. Me too. Well, today on Whatcom Dads Recommend, in the spirit of the Olympics, we're going to give some ideas on how to keep your kids active. Yeah, we've talked about this before. I thought it'd be worthwhile if we kicked around a few other ideas for maybe some simple things that we used or used to get our, get our kids up and out and moving and getting some exercise. Yeah. Take it away, Chris. Well, I mean, trying to be creative, like what you did with the kids that, you know, their own triathlon, like you did that. My daughter made that up. She did it all on her she own. She did it on That's her own. That's so amazing. Well, my my kids, uh, I will ask them, hey, let's go on a bike ride. No. Hey, let's do whatever. No. Do you want to go for a walk? No. And so I I have to get creative. And um, so I've done uh, like different scavenger hunts that I've made where they've got to go find things. I'll call neighbors and say, hey, I'm going to send my kids over to hmm. go get certain things. So it gets them out and moving. The other thing that I've done, which is actually more fun maybe for me, is I will sit on one of my kids' longboards and a handful of sidewalk chalk. And I'll scoot around the entire cul-de-sac, and I will make a racetrack for their razor scooters. And they'll race around using the racetrack that I've made with the chalk. And that is a blast. And actually, what's really fun is, is it ends up being something that all the neighborhood kids use. And there's other kids that will ride their bikes through, and of course, we'll sure. kind of use it too. So that'll last until the first rain or whatever, and then I make, eventually I'll make another one. So, Are we talking more of an oval NASCAR style, or more of turns kind of like oh, formula one formula one there's turns all over the place and it, it's pretty darn fun so i originally and the reason why i get on the longboard is because the first time i did it i tried doing it by bending over and like walking <laughs> i was like there's got to be a better way to do this this is exhausting yeah, absolutely <laughs> and so I, I gotta say i felt pretty brilliant when i sat on the longboard and i was like oh yeah this is a lot easier just scoot along and mm-hmm. well done <laughs> what about you bags when our kids were little, um, the house we live in has a, a big field behind it. And in the late spring, early summer, the, the field grass would grow really, really high. And then the, we wouldn't cut the field. So I took the lawn, the riding lawnmower, and I would cut a path through the tall grass. You are a cool dad. And uh, it would take two or three, four goes around, you know, because this <laughs> Super grass tall, is thick yeah. and everything. Yeah. 
But when it was done, the kids had an amazing labyrinth through the tall grass in the field. <laughs> was the field higher than they were tall? Yes. Oh, so kind of like a Field of Dreams corn maze style. Yeah. Oh, yeah. my gosh. That, that was, is the coolest. That was fun. I think we should still have you do this. Can we grow it above our heads, or would that be too much? Uh, I could get pretty darn close. All right. Pretty darn oh, close. we should do that. Uh, we would bring the kids out. Pretty Nathan fun. and I would bring a couple six packs ours for ourselves, and I might get lost. It's like, <laughs> it's like a corn maze. Yeah, That's awesome. That was fun. That's super cool. That was fun. Yeah, along those same lines, I have done relay races on our recent vacation. They just needed to run before bedtime, and so created sort of a relay race. And the three-year-old is good for like one relay race, mm-hmm. and then she's out. But <laughs> keep track of their time, and they want to improve on their time. And I might be a little liberal with sort of how I clock it, but uh, <laughs> it's so simple, and they just get excited to do it. And it, it kind of... Uh, starts that sort of competitive energy. But again, it has to be a relay and they're competing against a clock because the worst thing you can do is pit your kids against each other. Yeah, that's a good point. Then somebody's feelings get hurt. So compete against themselves in sort of a relay ray. And you you can do a obstacle course. You can put things out. We've had things out here with hula hoops and golf clubs and disc golf and kind of just set something up. And that's always good for a good half hour of fun. That's awesome. That's a great idea. We, at the end of this year, and I hope it becomes a tradition, we are going to create an end-of-the-summer cul-de-sac Olympic Games. Hmm. So the Olympics, of course, inspired us. But, you know, we've got cornhole and a washer game and the ladder golf game. And we've got a basketball hoop, so we're going to make up a whole variety of different games. And I'm going to set up uh, brackets, and the girls are going to invite friends over, and it'll be sort of a nice way for them to kick off the end of summer and hopefully kind of give them a nice little transition into the school year with friends. So, Where are you going to get the horses for the modern pentathlon? <laughs> uh, the same place we're going to get the guns, actually. Yeah, right? Good, 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 good. <laughs> Coming out my way, huh? Yeah, right. <laughs> Maybe we could do pocket knife throwing instead of shooting. Yeah, or make, axe throwing. Yeah, we could make do that. use of all these pocket knives that people Ooh. are carrying around. Great idea. <laughs> when the kids were really little, um, Annette would sit herself up in the living room or in the kitchen and sit on a chair and the kids would just run circles around the house like through the house we always had a house that had a circular pattern yeah right and Allie especially just loved running and then slapping mom's hand as she went by and Annette would count (laughs) one and she would two and she would run laps and laps and laps and Annette was able to read like an entire magazine without being interrupted right and Allie would just run and then of course when Ben got old enough he would chase his sister so it was great. So they would both count. Well, my other one, we took advantage of tonight. The city of Bellingham puts on a great all-comers track meet. Yeah. And so for $5 a child, you can register them. Uh, this evening, my kids competed in long jump, high jump, mini javelin, which is a nerf javelin, <laughs> uh, hurdles of 50 yards, and then 100-yard dash and 50-yard dash. But you can register online. We'll put a link uh, on the show notes for the Bellingham All-Comers Track Meet. And it's not just for kids. It's for ages 2 to 102. So later in the evening, there are events for adults all the way from the 100-meter dash up to, I think, the the 1,500-meter mile, the jogger's mile. Right on. My favorite part about it is how high were the hurdles for Molly? Oh, three inches. (laughs) the coolest yeah. thing we did that with our kids 20 years ago i mean it was no kidding yeah i'll be darned thanks
Thanks again to Anne-Marie Reed for joining us. And as always, thanks to our sponsor, Robinson & Cole Attorneys. You can reach the show through our email address, whatcomdadspodcast at gmail.com or through our Facebook page. Join us next week when we interview Karen Kildall Achigroso about the Northwest Washington Fair, which runs August 12th through 21st. Why did the man name his dogs Rolex and Timex? Because they took a licking and kept on ticking? Oh. No, because they were watchdogs. <laughs> Hey, Chris. Yes, Mark. Did you know muffins spelled backwards is what you do when you take them out of the oven? Sniff them. (laughs) Spring is here. I got so excited, I wet my plants.